Lucas, it's wonderful to see you again. Hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Six, six feet. Six feet. That's right. That's right. A digital six feet. You know, it's funny. To a lot of our American listeners, it, this is this is gonna sound like nonsense. It's like, oh, they're doing six feet jokes. Like it's it's this far into the pandemic, I already got my Pfizer or what have you. Um, but where we're living, this is kind of our our next big brush with the virus, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we it's been pretty. Uh, we've been lucky to be kind of uniquely untouched uh, by COVID uh, for almost a full year since last May this time, mm-hmm. uh, and now we're kind of enduring our our big next spike it's technically the third wave but it's really just kind of our our second real wave ever Uh, so we're in a full-on lockdown for the next two to four weeks um but luckily uh to my knowledge uh the COVID-19 the novel coronavirus cannot be transferred via podcasting I, th- so. I think I think we would have seen a dramatic downtick in podcasts if that were true in the oh, last year <laughs> versus the opposite, which we've definitely seen. No, no. I, I know that, you know, podcasting can spread brain worms, but uh, mm. COVID-19, not so much. Yes, thankfully. And uh, yeah, we're working on the brain worms thing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new season of Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Young, and my co-host is Lucas Mancini. We took a little break there last week, but we're back in full effect. Now, something that I always like to do whenever we have like a mailbag episode, which is what we did last week, is that sometimes we get questions that are a little bit more general that I can kind of tackle, and then there's ones that's meant for myself and for Lucas. And, uh, Lucas, I wanted to kind of pitch you something. You don't, I know this is, this is on the spot, so you don't have to think of something right now, but maybe something you can think about as we kind of talk here. Uh, one of the questions we got last week from Funith was talking about Arthur episodes that we relate, we end up relating to after we've seen it. So, you know, when you see an Arthur episode, you're just like, huh, I wonder what that's like. And then later on in your life, you end Ooh, up relating it's to it. it's propped up again. Yeah. Oh, so, so in Funith's example, they were talking about how uh, they live in Texas and they were recently affected by the Texas blizzards at the beginning of the year. So they realized what the blizzard meant in a bit of a different way. Uh, I had a bit of trouble coming up with it just because I think I, I think I had said that like I, I don't have the experience of having a new baby in my life right now, but that might be the next one for me, depending on how things go in the next couple of years. But are there any that you can think of where um, you ended up relating to it in a new way after experiencing something close in your life? Yeah, I would say the uh, uh, well, the one we watched last season, all about university registration with Prunella. Uh, oh, yeah. That was an episode that uh, up until this very recently, I wouldn't really have a kind of uh, uh, the fluency uh, with which kind of the concepts Prunella is talking about, specifically in terms of American university. Uh, but with my job working in university admissions, uh, it's an episode now where I, I don't really relate to it from Prunella's side because I never went to university myself. Mm. Uh, but I, I relate to it from the other side is knowing kind of about the exi- anxieties and uh, uh, questions that Prunella has and, and the kind of the trouble she's going through. So that would be one off the top of my head. 
There you go. If we think of any more, we'll drop some in the Discord. We've got a very interesting Discord conversation going on uh, today, talking about why it is that Binky was held back, uh, as we learned in the very first season of Arthur. Some interesting ideas there in terms of the universe and in terms of metatextually. I like this conversation that our patrons are having on our Elwood City Limits Discord. And speaking of our patrons, we don't have any emails this week. Uh, The mailbag episode took care of a lot of them. So it's time to say thank you to our patrons who got a little bit of new content recently. So you see, speaking of last week, when I put out that mailbag episode, another thing that I did is I put out two pieces of video content. If you're a Elwood City Limits patron and you haven't seen them yet, you can go over to the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And you can see there's one video called Will Reads TV Guide, where I take you through my June 1999 edition of TV Guide. And we find out the PBS broadcast schedule. And then there's a second one. It's much shorter. Uh, it's called. It's the second edition of ECL Eats, where I uh, show you how to make a butter sandwich. Just so. to just to really uh, kind of get people point people towards the Patreon, give them a little taste. Uh, what was going on on WWE Raw uh, on that week in 1999? Is there a description uh, or just just kind of the time? I could probably tell you from memory. June 1999. That would have been. Um, not quite up to SummerSlam, but I think that that was probably we're getting year. we're getting into the territory of like when Triple H wins his first WWF championship. Uh, oh no, excuse me, that's 2000. So 1999, no, 1999's peak Attitude Era. That would have been yeah. like Austin versus Undertaker, Ooh. and like that that kind of stuff. So things are really popping off. It's a it's a crazy time to be a wrestling fan in 1999. I also realize I might have that incorrect. That might be 1988. Oh, 1999. Okay, I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> good question. Um, I Although the TV Guide cover is wrestling-based, I didn't look into the wrestling programming. I kept it mainly to PBS. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun video, and I'm glad people are responding positively to it. And if you're a patron, you should check it out. And we want to thank the patrons. One of our newest ones, Gabby S. Thank you very much. We also have other lovely patrons like JHC, K2 Vid Edits, Daniel Uptograph, and Mason Bishop. There's Michaela Gibson, Sierra S., uh, Caitlin Harrington Robinson. And I actually have to go to page two to talk about people like Macy Ball and Riley Stevens, John Griswold, Dan and Mike Dawson Silva, and Ian Collis, and also Light Relentless. Just some of the fine people who sponsor us over at Patreon. Patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. But like I say, it's actually great that we have a pretty clear runway to get into Arthur Season 12, brand new season. So I've got a couple of couple facts to lay on you. First of all, Lucas, as we always like to do, we like to check in with the release dates of this season. So Arthur Season 12 aired from October 6th, 2008 to April 21st, excuse me, April 24th, 2009. So at the po- at this point, I am 18 years old. I am in my first year of university, and Arthur could not be farther from my mind. Uh, I am uh, I'm just a teenage dirtbag uh, mm. playing video, playing PlayStation 2, uh, eating Doritos, playing Rock Band at my friend's house every Friday, and uh, yeah, we're just uh, doing the well, co- doing the university thing. 
PlayStation 2? You hadn't gotten a 360 or a PS3 no, at that point? No, no. I'm, I'm always a little bit behind every generation. So ah. I'm still making the most out of my PlayStation 2. My friends have the 360 and the PS3, and I'm incredibly jealous. I did have a Wii, though. I had a Wii. I, I too, had a Wii. So that's what I was doing in, in 2008. I was in grade 8 uh, in junior high school, uh, and pretty much that was my life, was just playing the Nintendo Wii. What was your, uh, I think what Mario was your game? Galaxy would have been coming out around then, right? 2008. Um, Excellent. Uh, if not 2009. I don't quite remember, but uh, that you know, Twilight Princess, Wii Sports, um, all the all the classics. Ah, uh, the Wii Sports Resort. So that's where we were at this point. Um, so a couple of interesting facts about the season before we get into it in proper. So season twelve of Arthur is technically twenty episodes long, but they separated it into half with this first half being season 12 and the back half being designated as season 13. Each half aired as a separate season. However, we in Canada and also those in the UK uh, aired the 10 episodes for season 13 earlier than the United States. Whoa, it's like the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya or something. Like, what do you watch it in? Broadcast order? Do you watch it in uh, uh, lore order? Like, what what do you do? What's canon? Uh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that we got that we got it forward. I, like, I wonder if there's any like pen pals that were that were like teasing each other. It's like I got I got the Arthur episodes before you did. What's that? Uh, what's that Haruhi arc? It's like the the something. 13 or something oh the the that's season two where the same day keeps repeating over and over again yeah it has it has it has a name and i'm blanking on it but the, yeah imagine if it's just the same episode of arthur 13 times this is another thing i it, it's a good thing arthur's not covered like wrestling because you know that the dirt sheets would be spoiling those those canadian and uk episodes uh, for everybody online. Well, yeah, and that's what we're that's what we're doing nowadays. And no shade to those people who are putting out the like upcoming Arthur episodes and like news about the season. But we do have a little bit of that now. But even in the late two thousands, I don't think the interest was there uh, for Arthur. I think at this point, like as I said, Arthur was pretty far from my mind. It was like. You know, if a rerun was on and I was at, at home on the right day, I might keep it on. But again, I'm 18 years old. It's pretty it's pretty far from what I'm interested in at that point. Like, what am I doing at that point? I'm I'm borrowing old television shows from the library. So I'm watching, like, Six Feet Under, The Wire, um, you know, that those types of shows. Breaking Bad. I'm catching up on Breaking Bad. Actually, that, I might be a little bit early for that. But, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, I'm a teen and I've got all these edgy teen uh, interests. I'm probably reading Watchmen for the fifth time because, you know, you could cut yourself and all the edges that of, of my personality. Uh, we also have a new animation studio for this starting in this season. So it used to be that animation, uh, ACOM, A-K-O-M, uh, were the, uh, were, was the animation studio. We are now switching to Animation Services HK Limited, who are known for such animated shows as Extreme Dinosaurs, Timothy Goes to School, and Mona the Vampire, oh, among classic. many others. Mona the Vampire is goaded. What a good show. We'll talk, we'll talk a little bit more about the animation style when we get into the episode. And now, perhaps, well, let's take that perhaps out of there. The biggest development of this show is that starting in this season, we got a new Arthur voice, and it just so happens to be friend of the show, Dallas Jokic. 
That's right. Dallas Jokic, Jokic, uh, whatever his name is, uh, the, the definitely You can listen to the interview on the free feed. (laughs) Definitely the, the most, uh, friend of the show status, uh, friend of the pod, uh, of all the Arthur voices. Uh, and so I am contractually obligated to say my favorite Arthur voice. (laughs) I agree with you there. Uh, and we also have a change in the voice of brain who we didn't hear in this first episode. So, uh, uh, replacing Paul Stewart Brown is a Canadian actor named Lyle O'Donohoe or later in his career, Lyle Latow, who is, uh, a Degrassi alum as well. He would go from Arthur to being on Degrassi for a little while. Degrassi being a, like, Canadian high school soap opera, basically. I watched a ton of Degrassi when I was in junior high and high school. I was more so about Degrassi, the next generation. That's Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I, I, oh. think, I think at some point they stopped calling it Degrassi, the next generation. It's just Degrassi. You Degrassi, know? once again, because the original Degrassi was also just Degrassi. That's right. That's so confusing. <laughs> And, th- and there you go. That's uh, season 12 that we have in front of us, 10 episodes, and we're starting it off with uh, with a big one. We're starting it off with Is That Kosher? And Is That Kosher starts with Francine traveling through the desert by camel. She's uh, talking about how, how hungry she is, how thirsty she is, and she finally finds an oasis. She's, she's dressed it up here like she looks like Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, yeah, it's very Lawrence of Arabia vibes. Uh, she's on the camel. Uh, the camel has a remark about how, you know, if she was in such a hurry, she should have rented a dune buggy. Um, and then she's kind of, once she gets to the oasis, uh, they kind of do a bait and switch where I expected the whole thing to kind of fade away like a mirage. But instead, a shadow version of uh, Francine. And this was really funny because it's it's the shadow version of Francine's like draped in a cloak. And this reminded me, I just finished, Will, you'll be delighted to hear, I just finished uh, with my roommate, Kingdom Hearts 2. Oh. Uh, and, this, and this whole exchange. I thought exchange, you were going to say something else. No, no. This whole exchange is is right out of Kingdom Hearts 2. In that the, the Francine's like, who are you? And I could help but think about the part of Kingdom Hearts 2 where the guy's like, I'm nobody. And I'm everyone at the same time. And then, like, I think it's, uh, uh, oh, I can't remember if it's, uh, uh, um, Roxas or Sora or someone goes, I uh, mate your name. Well, yeah, I what, mate, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I'm nobody, I'm everyone. And he goes, I mate your name. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, in terms of the way the character looked and the way the character heart, uh, uh, talked, this is what that reminded me of. Uh, there you go, everybody. We got our Kingdom Hearts talk in early for this season. Yes. Um, for me, it was more. It was more like uh, my first thought was Dark Link from the Water Temple in Ocarina true, of Time. True. But it also reminds me a little bit of Persona of when you oh. uh, go into those dungeons to fight your shadow self. The I art thou, version. and thou art I. Yeah. And then, but Francine uh, didn't make the crucial mistake of denying that their shadow self is themselves. Is herself. So, uh, yeah, she didn't have to fight a giant monster version of herself. Although, what would Francine's name be if she got Norded? Where would the X go? Dude, what makes you think I can answer that? Zank, Zank Fien? Zank, Zank. I'm so bad at I'm already dyslexic in the first place. I can never come up with Norded names. Yeah, uh, I, I have trouble with that too because it's Zane, not it's not just put, it, it, you know it'd be different if it was like Fraxen scene or something, but you actually have to like rearrange it in a way that like makes it a a viable name. 
Drop some, drop some Nordic Francine names in the Discord. Yes, yes. That's what now we're using the Discord. Please, please don't clog up the email with Nordic names. Like, just come up with them in the Discord. Yeah. Like, why stop at Francine? I want to hear everyone's Nord. Everybody in in Arthur's Nordic name. Oh no. Uh, it's going to be a long season. So uh, note here that the camel that you were talking about who was speaking to Francine and Francine's grandmother, or her booby, is the special guest of this episode, and that's comedian Joan Rivers. That's right. So for youngsters who may not know who Joan Rivers is, um, she was a comedian and an actor. She was in a bunch of uh, television shows and movies. She had her own talk show for a while. Um, she was also known for hosting the red carpet of a lot of awards shows. She was also always very catty about yes. fashion, fashion police kind of style content, making fun of people's outfits. I know Joan Rivers mostly for her appearance on Celebrity Apprentice, which she won that season. Uh, and also, um, speaking of her talk show, there's a performance by the Beastie Boys on the Joe River show where they're like rolling around on the floor. Like it's one of the most, I don't give an F performances I've ever seen on like a daytime <laughs> talk show, uh, or nighttime talk show rather. Um, and Joan Rivers is like kind of incredulous about the whole thing. She really doesn't know what to make of the beastie boys. Uh, so that's, that's one of my favorite Joan Rivers moments. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that the more that I see of Joan Rivers and her stand up comedy, the more I realize like how much, how funny she was and mm. uh she it's it's a really type of thing of like kids ask your mother who uh Joan Rivers was uh i can i can only really give a little bit of a career overview like i just did there uh she unfortunately died in 2014 at the age of 81 but she's immediately recognizable from her voice and i think she's uh she's very funny and uh, i think it's a great it's a great uh voice to get for Francine's booby who we meet after the cold open, because we've talked before about how the Frenskis uh, are Jewish and how they have slowly been given more um, uh, visibility as Jewish characters. And this is perhaps the most visibly Jewish that we see them so far in the show. Uh, the, so family, uh, Bubi is coming for Yom Kippur, and everyone in the Frensky family is going to be fasting, including Catherine. And Francine doesn't exactly know what fasting is, but she knows that she'd be better at it than Catherine. So this, of course, led me to look up uh, to Google search uh, Yom Kippur and uh, the, the Yom Kippur fasting because the, the the episode actually gives a pretty good description of, you know, why it is that Jewish people fast on Yom Kippur. So I don't want to f- make like I'm talking from a, you know, I was, ra- I was raised Catholic, so not exactly. Mm. Not exactly and there's Jewish. also not a, a, you know, people might think we're being uh, really, really, speaking in layman's terms about this, but there isn't a large Jewish population where we live here in Nova Scotia. I would say that mm. um, I'm far more familiar with the traditions of, you know, for instance, Ramadan's going on right now. Yes. Um, and it actually has, it, it gets mentioned in the episode, and I'm far more uh, familiar with those kind of tradi- traditions because we have a much larger Muslim population here in Nova Scotia than we do a, a Jewish population. Um, on the east coast of Canada, there really isn't, uh, like a, as opposed to, like for instance, it's the east coast of the United States where there's a, a significantly larger Jewish population. So a lot of these traditions um, are, you know, a way less familiar to Will and I than they would be to even uh, the most kind of secular listener in the States just because they're less a part of the uh, the area here. So um, 
so from what I looked up, fasting on Yom Kippur occurs from sundown the night before the holiday to the following nightfall. So it's not just fasting in terms of eating and drinking. It is that. Uh, apparently, it also includes you must fast from wearing leather footwear, bathing or washing, applying ointment, lotions or creams, and engaging in spousal intimacy, as well as any other activities that are forbidden on the traditional Jewish Jewish Sabbath or Shabbat, like uh, turning on the lights and driving and all that kind of stuff. And on Yom Kippur, it is meant to be, uh, they mention this later in the episode, it's meant to be kind of a... Uh, uh, an atonement for the bad for the bad thing the bad or wrong things that you've done within the span of a year and uh th- not to get ahead of the episode's point here but uh from what i read children as old as 9 can participate in something of a limited fast which uh, my wife also tells me is true uh in ramadan as well yes yes that is true in ramadan so i i only learned that the other day is that ramadan you are able to be excluded if you're a kid. Um, it's very similar to this where, you know, uh, at a certain age, you can start participating in the fasting. And uh, people uh, people in situations like a new mother, someone who's mm-hmm. on medication, an old person, can get dispensation from fasting on Yom Kippur from a rabbi. And we see that with uh, Francine's booby because she... Later in the episode, she she takes a break from fasting because she's old. And even when she arrives here, um, you know, and Francine's like, "I want to do fasting too." And Booby's surprised. She's like, "Why? Why is why is the child going to be fasting?" Um, I'll I'll try to I'll try to make my. I'm really doing a Joan Rivers impression. I'm not trying to do like a Jewish voice. No, of Uh, course. It just so happens that Joan Rivers has a certain accent about her. Uh, It's interesting. I want to talk about the booby. Um, Usually, when there's a celebrity guest on Arthur, they're playing themselves and they play like an Arthurized version of themselves. Yeah. Uh, It's fun to see a celebrity kind of lend their voice to instead uh, just a character within the Arthur fiction. Furthermore, even a character uh, kind of related to one of the families. I wonder if we'll ever see the booby again. I really hope so. And yeah. now we, and now we know that Francine, well, okay, I guess only has technically one celebrity, but now we have uh, uh, Joan Rivers as Francine's booby and then Joshua Redman as uh, Francine's cousin. So she's got oh, quite true. the... Quite the star-laden family. Uh, I also really liked how Booby uh, called her my little Frankula. Some uh, <laughs> some really nice Yiddishisms throughout the episode. Uh, so yeah, Francine wants to do the fasting, and not much is not much is made of it. I think there's like a couple of mentions of like Francine doesn't have to, but her parents are like, "Oh, we're proud of you for doing that," and kind of embracing the Jewish tradition. So Francine's informing everyone at school the next day as they're at lunch. And uh, we get a line from Buster. I don't think I've gone without food or water for 25 minutes. <laughs> uh, because, yes, of course, not just food, but also Francine has to fast from water, which, you know, if you're a kid, it's a little bit uh, throughout this whole thing until they publicly addressed it. I was like, is she allowed to do that? And I was just like, yeah, but it also it's a cartoon. So they're kind of putting it forward. Uh, we also get to mention here, this episode is uh, laden with references. Uh, Arthur mentions that his pen pal, Adil, yeah. who, uh, fasts as well. Uh, so I found that a very good throwback. And in fact, we actually see Adil later in the episode. Yeah, and, and this is, again, bringing back that Adil fasts because of Ramadan as opposed to Yom Kippur. That's right. Uh, so Buster helps, decides to help Francine by having her cake at lunch. Um. Concur- uh, 
concurrent? Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah, let, sh- sure. Uh, concurrent to what's happening in Francine's life, Arthur gets a call from another b- reference from seasons back. It's Pizza Paula. Oh, was is Pizza Paula a returning character? When so did remember, Pizza remember, Paula remember, show up? Remember the S, remember the episode where Buster did the competitive eating contest and they went to Pizza Paula's Pizza Pig Out. <laughs> Oh my goodness! So not only is it a returning character, but Pizza Paula is up to her same promotional hijinks. She's like, she's got her fingers in like multiple pizza pies, man. She's got that Pizza Paula's Pizza World or whatever it is, and she's got this giveaway that Arthur wins for like a free pizza party uh, on the upcoming Saturday. All they have to do is take a picture on Pizza Paula's digital camera to make to so she can put it in the paper and show how and advertise how much the kids enjoy her pizza. So Arthur gets this uh, really excellent prize. Um, We see at this point, Francine is doing well with her fasting, but is also like copping to the fact that she's very hungry and it's tough, but she's doing fine so far. We actually see them going to their congregation and at least coming out of their congregation at first. And I, again, I really like how explicit, we are with making Francine's family Jewish. Like it's It's always been kind of mentioned before, but this is the most explicit it's been They're in temple like several times in this episode. Now, Uh, is it the episode where she wants to go to the bowling game? Uh, as well as she has a friend, uh, a family member's bar mitzvah at the same that's time. Right, I feel that's like right. that was the yes. last time we really saw uh, uh, this level of kind of representation. Um, yes, yes, you're but, right. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like the the bar mitzvah episode is almost like it's not. I wouldn't call it a recurring trope in children's media, but it is like one of the more unusual yet regular ones. Like, hey, Arnold had a bar mitzvah episode, an episode mm-hmm. I really like. Actually, I like that. Well, uh, well, I got to say, like, and I I really liked this stuff, too, from an educational perspective, because like I was talking about earlier, you know, it's it's stuff that me or you might not be as familiar with. And a lot of the things I do know about Jewish holidays is from Rugrats, of all things. Right. Yeah, they, that's and, right. And Rugrats went on to win awards for those episodes. Right. So um, it's nice to see Arthur doing this as well. So there is a point where they're in Temple and Francine's stomach is growling and a great read from Joan Rivers here. Is there a dog in here? <laughs> uh, so Francine's re- her hunger is really starting to get the better of her. Uh, she's watching uh, TV, and we get a commercial from Chicken Lickin', another deep Arthur reference from a couple of seasons ago. But basically, everywhere she's turning, she's finding food. Uh, she tries to read books, but it's like they're all food names, food of the gods and uh, breakfast at Tiffany's breakfast at Tiffany's. And then she finally settles on one. This was interesting. I never heard of this before. Little Dorrit by Charles Dickens, which, as I found out, is a satirical novel about the British prison system of the 1800s. So in there, she finds this like lavish description of like, uh, you know, pie and like this wonderful <laughs> feast that's being laid out in, in this Charles Dickens novel. So she can't even escape it there. Uh, Francine eventually is invited, or she she talks to a dill. Excuse me, she sends a dill an email and asks how he usually deals with fasting uh, when it gets difficult. And a dill says that he usually takes that time to spend time with his friends, and that usually takes his mind off of it. So Francine decides that's a good idea. But, of course, it's Saturday, so it's Arthur's pizza party. And it's a a big-time, big-time pizza party. Binky's double-fisting slices, so there's enough to go around. Uh, 
Pizza Polite is getting ready to pose everybody to take a picture, but Francine doesn't have a slice. And it just, you can only expect too much. It's like when I go to pick up a pizza uh, and I have to keep the pizza in the passenger seat right next to me and it smells so good and I just want to pull over to the side and eat the whole thing. It's like you can only expect Francine to be so strong in the face of that. Imagine if you hadn't eaten a pizza for 24 hours. You hadn't eaten anything for 24 hours before picking up that oh pizza. Oh my well. god! It would also <laughs> probably it would also probably ruin your digestive system. Oh, true. <laughs> uh, so Francine's uh, ashamed of herself that she that she gave in. In fact, on the way home, she imagines that she sees her booby and Catherine in the sky as these little cherubs. This it almost looked like the scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail where God appears. Oh yes, yes. And he's like a cardboard cutout. So they're just they have these little tiny bodies and like little angel wings and they're both shaming Francine because Catherine is constantly goading Francine throughout the whole episode. So Francine's very ashamed. Um she comes home. This is where we see that Booby is having a sandwich uh because as she says she's old and she, you know, sometimes she just can't fast her body, you know, needs to eat when it needs to eat. Uh, but uh, they couldn't. They couldn't have got any mayonnaise in this in this uh, in this house. There's, a, there's another point where she's just like, oh, there's nothing, no, nothing sugar or sugary or salty in here. It's like a health food store, yeah. Like a health food store. Yeah. So Bobby knows right away that Francine is uh, has gone to Arthur's pizza party uh, because Francine has a mushroom on her shirt. And this is where we get a little bit of an Arthur meme alert here. This is a, this is something that pops up in a lot of Vine compilations. Every once in a while, when I go back down Vine Avenue and I go into a Vine compilation, it'll be, there's a mushroom on your sweater. Oh, I'm a failure. And out of context, <laughs> that's really funny. And in context, it's pretty good too. But Booby says it's okay. Like Francine doesn't have to strictly have to fast. Like she did the best that she could. And uh, Booby explains that fasting is about um, say uh, making reconciliation for the bad things you've done throughout the year, and uh, it helps Francine and me understand it a little better. Uh, and in fact, they even confirm later on that or later on in this conversation that Francine isn't even necessarily supposed to fast until she's 13. Yeah. So I knew that I knew that it was like eight years old seemed a little young to me, but, uh, for the sake, for the sake of the story, they had to. And then later on, uh, even Catherine herself reveals that into that. She didn't even make it through her first fast. It's, it's really difficult. And especially right. when you're, and, and, you're and, young, and I that's... imagine. That's one of the parts of the episode I really enjoy is that, you know, Catherine has this because the whole reason that Francine uh, kind of set out to start fasting in the first place was out of spite because she wanted to get one over on Catherine. And Catherine has an opportunity here to really rub it in Francine's face. And she uh, makes the conscious decision to choose not to. And I think it's it's because she even mentions this, that because uh, she didn't get through her first fast either. And how she, you know, she takes she she sees herself in Francine, right? She knows what she's going through. And so she has that kind of empathy for her. Um, which is a really nice little way for the episode to kind of wrap up. Yeah, and she's making a cake and lets uh, Francine lick the icing. And uh, finally, in order to break uh, the Yom Kippur fast, uh, Oliver and Francine's mom bring home a pizza. Before we get into anything else, Lucas, what did you think of the new animation? Like, did you notice that it was new? Like, that the animation was different? How do, how do you feel about that? I really like the animation. So this is, it was funny when you told me the season was in 2008, 
I, I hadn't realized that it still hadn't switched over to Flash by then. I, I'm curious. I keep forgetting when the Flash era officially we, begins. We still have a couple um, of in-universe years before we do that. So this is the, I believe this is the final animation studio before it switches to Flash. So it's going to look like this for a few more seasons. And yeah, I thought I thought it looked really good. It still kind of has um, that kind of painterly, hand-drawn background look, but the characters themselves are, are crisp, but not crisp in that kind of artificial flash way. Um, so I, I really liked the animation. What about yourself? Um, so, uh, what I do like about it, it's so colorful. I, I feel mm-hmm. like we've talked about this a lot on For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, which is our Patreon-exclusive podcast. We talk a lot about shows that have a very watercolor look to them, which is often meant to evoke the children's book that the show comes from. The colors pop a lot more, and it's a lot... Um, I noticed like with the, with the, with the lot, not the line work again, I'm not an animator. I don't want to be using these terms willy nilly, but like with the inking lines around everybody, they were a little bit, um, they stood out a little bit more and that made the colors pop a lot more too. I will admit though, I feel like this is a downgrade in terms of just like the animation feels a little cheaper at times and it's hard to exactly say why. I, I, I don't mean to say that I dislike it. I think it looks pretty good. And in terms of this seems like a good way to um, to go slowly into the transition into Flash. Like this, it almost looks very similar to the way that Flash does, but it moves a lot smoother because it's an, because it's hand animated. It doesn't look as good as the seasons before, in my opinion, but uh, it still looks pretty pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm so high on it just because I was expecting the Flash, and I was like, oh, well, this is uh, uh, a welcome surprise. Uh, Fair knowing, enough. Yeah. Knowing what we know is coming down the pipeline. And before we get to the second part, well, for goodness sakes, uh, because this is an official YouTube upload from PBS Kids, it's postcards from you. I gotta say, Will, this uh, these episodes were not a good choice to watch before I've had supper, which I haven't had supper yet. I'm doing a little bit of a fast of myself because uh, first we kind of get the the food uh, kind of, for lack of a better term, the food porn of the first episode, and then two kind of food themed uh, postcards from you segments. Yes. So postcards from you, if you don't remember, this is kind of the 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 successor to and now a word from us kids it kind of combines the sensibility of postcards from buster and they have kids sending in videos from all over it, i think it can be the world sometimes but it's usually all over the united states so the first kid to send in a video is madeline from california who's going to the farmer's market with her family and she has her like two little brothers there one of which whom i believe is named william uh both of whom like strawberries so this is the farmers market in oceanside california and uh she likes madeline likes brussels sprouts and then the second video is of a girl named caitlin from massachusetts who is making cookies uh, in uh, in her home. And when she put the cookies in, like, because I guess I always assume that children are, you know, they make chocolate chip cookies. Like, that's what I assumed she was going to be making. And then she, so she makes a batter, she puts them in the oven, and then she's like, put them in for eight minutes. And I'm like, eight minutes? Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, put those things back in. They ain't done yet, but it's shortbread cookies, as mm. I see later. So that made, a, that made a bit more sense that way. Anyway, postcards from you, uh, somehow even less offensive than and now a word from his kids 
just kind of snapshots of well, days in the life of children. Especially these ones. I think the last time we saw postcards from you, it was like an art film or something. Like they were completely not. I I don't remember exactly, but I remember being totally confused by the last set of postcards from you segments we saw. Uh, and this one is a lot more just legible. Uh, okay, we're going to the farmer's market. Okay, this is me baking cookies. Um, whereas like, I remember, did we watch a postcard from you? There was like skits. It was just strange. Maybe it feels like it has a little bit more. It it has a little bit less of a uh, def- definitive structure than uh, some of than oh, and now a word from us kids. Not that that was completely structured, but it's kind of like I never know what I'm going to get with postcards from you. Yeah, and- I, I I'm curious about how they're produced because with the word from us kids, we know it's basically oh a camera crew went into a school. But postcards from you, I, I'm wondering, you know, are these industry plants? Like, are these truly home <laughs> videos that someone sent in? Or is, like, is it just shot to look like a home video? Did someone send in this really crazy shaky cam, like, poorly filmed thing, and then it was re-edited by the Arthur team? Like, I have so many questions about how postcards from you is produced. That's a, that's a good point, Lucas. And, and, and as soon as that little girl started saying that she'd never hook up with another straight white guy, I was like, <laughs> this seems like an industry plant to me. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get into our first DW episode right after this. Hey everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast, and if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You can go to facebook.com slash elwoodcitylimits, at ECL podcast, that's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr, it's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new... A bi-weekly PBS Kids review show, as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review. You can check out patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord, which me and Will like to post in from time to time. And if you want that sweet, sweet Elwood City Limits merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. You can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. Never, never, never. Never. Mm, what? Mm. What? Never is the name. <laughs> never, never, never is the name of this uh, this part of the Arthur episode. Um, it is a DW focused episode, but uh, yeah, it starts off on a bit on. Well, geez, I wasn't expecting this. DW is putting on a puppet show about various types of love. Yeah, interesting. 
Uh, I, I really enjoyed this. I like – so DW puts on this puppet show, and she's kind of doing the voices of, of everybody else in the Arthur world, specifically in DW's life. Um, and she's kind of making each character individually say how much they love DW, uh, including Arthur, who it's like DW – in typical DW fashion gives him like this really like silly, stupid voice where he's like, I love you too, DW. And he's, uh, like, the, he's like the stupidest, so like yeah. he, he says it last and like kind of yeah. forgets to – yeah, and then uh, uh, Grandma Thora, of course, is the DW is talking about how that grandma's love is the most special love, um, and then the puppet Grandma Thora kind of lays the presents on for DW. I thought this was cool. Like it, it showed how, like it's. I, I mean, the implication is that DW made these herself, and so she has hand puppets for herself, for Grandma Thora, and for Emily because she's she's first talking about she has like a. A uh, girl doll and a boy doll. It's like there's this kind of love, and they start kissing, and she's like, "That's icky." Then there's a love between me and and my friend Emily. Like she's my friend, and I love her, and they give each other a hug. And then she has finger puppets for everyone in her family, and like, it's it, it's cool how they animated it yeah. to be like DIY because mm-hmm. it looks like mom's hair is made out of these little shrubs. Um, like baby Kate looks like a thimble almost, and they look appropriately homemade. Speaking and, of of two thousand eight, it's very Harry Potter puppet pals. If you remember that blast ooh, from the past, yes, you're right. And you know what? The button eyes on DW and Emily make me think of Coraline as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Potter puppet pals, good shout. Um, yeah, no, I thought this was really cool. And talking about all the different ways that her, uh, that the people she know loves her. I thought it was really cool, too. And also, usually the really creative kind of cold opens uh, kind of have a loose, uh, uh, like, they're they're loosely related to the episode, whereas this was very, very much kind of related to the themes of the episode. So DW talks about how Grandma Thora shows how much she loves her by giving her presents, and the real Grandma Thora comes in off screen. And that's where the episode starts, is DW receives a stuffed bear from Grandma Thora. But she has nowhere to put it because her closet is overflowing with toys. So mom sees this and says that DW should pack up the toys that she doesn't want to use and donate them. And then they'll donate them to charity. Now, I feel like this is a practice that uh, I don't know if it was if it's always been in vogue, but I certainly see it among parents I know these days. And I think it has to do with the whole like downsizing movement De- mm, that's been de- catching on decluttering the art of, of cleaning up. Yeah. I, it's funny. This was one of those things where to put myself in DW shoes, I would similarly be incensed as she is the idea that giving away these toys to charity. Um, but it's funny as an adult, I love doing stuff like this. I love just Me being too. like scorched earth. Let's get rid of it. Who cares? Um, yeah, like but, I recently went into my closet and just like found a bunch of shirts that didn't fit. And I'm like, all right, to Value Village you go. And mm-hmm, it's like, exactly. Ah, it's like, it's like you're refining what you own. Yes, nothing feels better. But uh, I could definitely, you know, put myself in the headspace that I would have been in at DW's age. And I would have similarly thrown a complete tantrum. I'd be like, why are we getting rid of my toys that I never even play with? They're perfectly good. Like, I, I remember the very intense feelings I had back in the day about my toys. Um, and as unrelatable as as I find them now, I, I do still have that memory of like how I feel back in the day. And so I, I understand why DW is being kind of so annoying about this and fighting it so hard tooth and nail. Yeah. And she, there are, uh, there are a couple of really choice DW dramatic reads to the situation. So, you know, mom is, mom is firm in that she, you know, DW has to fill two boxes 
of her stuff. But of course, when mom tries to help her, it's like, no, no, not this one. And it's like, not this one. And it's like, mom, mom is just like, okay, but you have to fill two of these boxes, at least two of these boxes by next Saturday. And the DW just folds her arms and just goes, you don't love me. <laughs> and, it's, and it's just like, you know what? I'll just give away all my toys. And, and just like, I remember, I remember being that kind of vindictive as a little kid of just like, you're going to make me do this fine. Then I'll do everything. And well, it's it's interesting that that's DW's response. And we don't really learn her, her three dimensional chess plan that she's actually trying to do with this uh, until much later in the episode. But I was, I thought this was a, a weird turn for DW being like, you know what, if I can't keep some of my toys, I'm going to get rid of all of them. I mean, I don't think the mom would be that mad at all. It, it, it fulfills the same purpose. Um, I, th- I think it totally fits within her character, especially like what we've seen in like way earlier seasons. It reminds me of like when she imagined herself as like that scullery maid mm-hmm. in, uh, in the episode where she uh, was sent to her room. Yes. And she's just like, she's such a martyr sometimes in her own head. And I think it's really funny. Well, speaking of DW's martyrdom, this next sequence, we go from three dimensional <laughs> chess to big galaxy brain. Um, this was something that never even occurred to me to do. And I thought no this was way. actually, this is, this is a really funny and kind of genius move from DW where instead of giving her toys to charity, she's going to give them away to her peers at the playground, uh, but only to whomever like, uh, most like proclaims their love to her. Yeah. So right away you have the, the Tibble twins profess their love to DW. Uh, and Tim, uh, Tommy, Tommy's like, I love you more than this. I love you more than my video game. I love you more than this. Timmy specifically says that he loves her so much that he takes the sand that DW touches from the sandbox and keeps it in a jar beside his bed to which DW says, Hmm, weird. this is a really good read um emily is also looking at this and um dw kind of whispers to her of just like are you gonna say you love me too you're like you're a shoo-in for the good stuff and emily is very vehement of just like no this is weird and i don't want to do this we never really get much of her side of things emily in this episode but she's clearly very uncomfortable with this to which it, yeah. We get a little with a we get a lot with a little in that you could tell that Emily's uncomfortable with this situation, especially being kind of DW's closest friend out of this group. Yeah, and D, and DW even like yells after her, "You're just like my mom. She doesn't love me either." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, this is getting serious." Speaking of DW in previous seasons, so I, I mentioned that kind of the whole scullery made vindictive fantasy that she had in like, the, I think it was like season two. There's a, there's a, I got a big laugh out of this. I had like a mouthful of water and I almost spit it out. There's a fantasy that DW has that she, after she gives away all of her stuff, her, uh, her mom will come in and literally beg her on her knees in tears to buy her new toys. I'm just right. like, I'm so sorry. I'll buy you whatever toys you want. You're so selfless and I love you so much. It was so great. Like we never get to hear, <laughs> we never get to hear mom read have that kind of a read, a, a read, haha, but like that kind of a take on her voice. And it was so jarring, but so funny because it's, it's totally DW. She is absolutely that emotional and vindictive at times. Yeah. And we, I just love that this was her plan all along. This like three dimensional chess move of like, she even makes her mom say like, oh yeah, I'm going to buy you all new toys. Uh, cause you're such a selfless person. And then we get a smash cut 
cut to Dad Reed, uh, shocked face, mouth agape um, at kind of uh, DW's completely empty room. And and completely the opposite from how DW expects it to go. Mom Reed is just like, well, I didn't tell you to do that, but okay. <laughs> like pretty pretty much almost no selling it of just like, all right, well, that that was never on, that was never on the table, but uh, very well then. So DW kind of realizes that it may have all been for nothing, and she's even having trouble sleeping without her without her stuffed animals. But then she realizes that she can just go to the Tibbles. And visit them anytime that she wants to. But when she sees how the Tibbles are treating her stuffed animals, oh my she goodness. regrets this, her decision. This was so great. The Tibbles are like, if, if DW's really getting her comeuppance here, because what more way to torture her than like to line up all of DW's toys like it's a firing line and just <laughs> one by one the Tibbles like slinging mud at each one like execution style this was incredible as as DW look could look on like uh, powerless to, to change the situation this was great um I, did I have a note about it? Not really. I will say this is kind of we don't hear too much of Arthur in either of these episodes for us to make kind of a uh, a uh, a judgment call on Dallas Jokic as Arthur. But I think what the the best praise I can give him is that I almost didn't notice it was a different voice. Mm. Like if I didn't know if like if I hadn't if, I, if if we didn't follow each other on Twitter and we didn't have that whole interview, I wouldn't know that we were changing voice actors unless I looked it up. So uh, the continuity between voices is very strong here, um, especially considering that apparently a lot of people don't like Dallas's voice as Arthur. I'm just like, well, those people are obviously fools. I know that is, that like, is the official the official Elwood City Limits uh, Arthur voice uh, is of course our main man Dallas. Listen, pal. If you got a problem with Dallas, you mm, got a problem mm. with Elwood City Limits. That's I agreed, agreed. So DW is horrified at this, at the the fact that they're being a uh, um, so wanton with her toys. Uh, later on, later on, DW is like crying all by herself at the pl- at the at her preschool, and like Emily is trying to be like DW, are you okay? And she's like, "Go away, you don't love me." And it's just like, okay. Normally, you and I, Lucas, are very quick to be like, yeah, Emily's being a real jerk. DW is being really mean to Emily, and she did not do anything to, like, I have to stick up for Emily this time. Like, Emily didn't do a thing to deserve this from DW. It's true. Well, it's because DW doesn't understand how different people kind of express their love and what that actually means, right? Like, that's the lesson that DW has to learn in this episode is that to DW, she only really sees love in one way, which is that uh, presence being laid upon her. Um, Or, you know, a very superficial, like, what the what the Tibble twins were doing, which was just kind of like making these really huge remarks that weren't really based upon anything. Like, oh, I love you more than our, our grandma and this and that. Whereas kind of Emily and DW even says this early in the episode, she's like, oh, you sound just like my mom. You don't love me. Um, Emily loves DW in a way that her mom does, which she actually cares about her and, and her well-being and, and she likes her for who she is. Um, and if your friend like likes you that way, they're going to be critical of you sometimes. They're going to be... Uh, um, they're not going to be fake with you um but dw doesn't really understand that understand that at this point um and so that's why she just thinks that oh you know uh emily doesn't understand she doesn't love me she doesn't care about this situation 
Well, and I never, I really didn't expect this to be the way the episode was going. So mm. I found it like interesting at this point. Yeah. Um, DW goes back to the Tibbles to try and get her stuff back, but they, oh, of before, course. Right, before that, Nadine has a Joe Mama style joke. Where, Does she? Well, yeah, she she talks about Yuri. Oh, yeah. And then DW goes, who's Yuri? And she's like, you're on your own. <laughs> and I was like, well, oh my goodness, uh, Nadine caught DW lacking. Like, if, if you're not careful, DW, Nadine's going to ask you who D's is. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, then DW goes back to the Tibbles, trying to get her stuff back, but the Tibbles very much are just like, no, it's ours now, and, like, refuse to give it back to her, like, basically strong arm her out of it. And here we go. Arthur meme alert big time as DW is standing outside the Tibbles' house in the pouring rain with her eyes closed and arms outstretched. Man, I've seen this a lot in the last few years. This this moment, even removed from the context of it being a meme, was awesome because it's so over the top. Like it's yes. literally Shakespearean in the sense that it's a monologue. It's like DW talking to God, basically <laughs> lamenting her situation. And then, yeah, the rain starts pouring down. There's thunder and lightning. And it's hilarious because it couldn't be about something sillier, uh, which is like this whole situation DW found herself wrapped up in. Um, but, uh, it, it's just so over the top and it's like typical DW, like over dramatic. Um, but the episode kind of meets DW's level of genre, uh, uh, drama in the way this little like image is framed. The fact that it's like pouring down rain. I thought this was awesome. The only thing it was missing in RIP, uh, RIP to X, this, all this was missing was slipping like the exactly. course of slipping. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. And at this point we get Arthur. Arthur comes by in his raincoat and his umbrella, just wondering if DW is okay. And then he decides to go into the Tibbles house and demand that they give DW her toys back. And this is where the message clicks for both DW and for me. Like this is where it all kind of came full circle where Nadine comes out of DW's umbrella. And I actually liked the way it's not just her typical like appearance. She just kind of like tumbles out Mm. when DW turns the umbrella around. Very like Miyazaki magical realism. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and so DW is like, wow, Arthur, like Arthur's going to go into the Tibbles place and get my toys back for me. And we get the exchange between DW and Nadine of, I guess that's what love is. It goes both ways. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, Arthur. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like, it was surprisingly, like, powerful and also, the, in just a couple lines. It was cool to see. I've never really seen Arthur come to DW's direct defense like this before. Yeah. Like, we've seen many, like, very tender moments between Arthur and DW, but we've never really seen Arthur, for lack of a better term, like, take a bullet for DW in this way, where he's literally, like, shaking the tibbles down. And we know it's a violent altercation because his glasses are broken, but he kind right. of walks out triumphantly with the, the toy. And I don't know, I thought this was really cool. This was like a very literal example of Arthur sticking up for DW. Yeah, and in the end, DW says that, you, you know, I'll save up my allowance to buy you new glasses. And, DW, and Arthur's like, that'll take years. So instead, what she decides to do is to sell all of the toys that she's not using in a yard sale. And with all the profits going towards helping Arthur get new glasses. I thought that was really sweet. I thought that was such a nice thing. I know that we we always kind of point this out when Arthur and DW are actually nice to each other. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't happen that often. And it it I think that makes it... That makes it even better when it does happen, and uh, DW even gives Emily a gift of one of her of one of her dolls for free, and just because she loves her, and uh, 
so the episode's called Never, Never, Never. And earlier on in the episode, DW is just like, I will never, never, never give up my toys or something like that. And then at the end here, she says, I will never, never, never do something like that again. Like the Never, Never, Never thing was not a big part of the episode. Mm, so I, I kind of kind of felt like it was a weird thing to name the episode after, especially because, I don't know, this episode just went in ways I didn't really see it going. So I just thought that was kind of weird. So the first episode of season 12 is in the books. Let's go back to, uh, is that kosher? Lucas, is that kosher? Is it, It's kosher indeed. Uh, I liked is that kosher. Um, I thought it was funny. Uh, I thought all the stuff about uh, Francine's family doing Yom Kippur and, and kind of all those educational elements were interesting and enlightening. Um, and I thought Joe Rivers was excellent. Uh, I thought th- that voice perfectly fit that character and the lines they gave her were, were quite funny. Um, it's not this kind of shout from the rooftops, like incredible top of the season episode, but uh, for what it wants to do, it, it basically accomplishes everything pretty perfectly so i liked it there's not much to say about it besides that but i I thought it was a effective episode and a good way to start the season what about yourself i liked it too uh once again an arthur episode teaching me a thing or two uh myself a goyim who does not know practically anything about jewish tradition i've been to a jewish wedding it was very nice uh but i'm always keen to learn a bit more about it and this was really cool i there was a lot i didn't know about yom kippur uh, other than seeing the name on a calendar. So this was a great way to learn about it and learn about exactly what the fasting means. And it was done in a way that I thought was pretty effective. And Joan Rivers, great guest. I really liked what she brought to the role. And it was really nice to kind of hear her. She's not like, you know, the the funniest. It's, it kind of reminds me of um, uh, when Jackie Mason was on The Simpsons as, as Krusty's father. Like, <laughs> there's just that type of uh, Jewish comedy that I really, that, that I really, really like. Uh, so yeah, I like this episode. Surprisingly, I kind of loved this DW episode. This never, never, never. Like I, I guess I, I usually read like the episode descriptions when when I'm kind of getting ready for a new season. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, it's like oh, DW has to give up her toys or whatever. But it ended up being like this kind of wonderful and sweet meditation on what love is, and that's such a such a big topic for a kids' show. Because when I realized that's what they were kind of making the episode about, I was like, wow, this is a lot to lay on a kid. And we we have said in the past about how, or I, I'll speak for myself, of just like a lot of the DW episodes seem to be fashioned for, um, for really young kids, younger than even Arthur's age. But it was interesting to see this topic from that perspective. And I think it's it's easy to overlook the fact that, yes, there are these different types of of love and they're all different and valid in their own ways. And it was all about DW learning to navigate them. And I found that really interesting and it ended up in such a way that actually kind I felt was kind of touching with her and Arthur. And along the way it was funny. Um, it was like, it, it harkened back to DW's character. It used parts of her character that, um, that I hadn't seen in a long time, and I was really glad to welcome back her kind of her vindictive nature, her like the wicked side of her. I thought was really a great a great addition to the proceedings. And in the end, like this is easily, I'd say, my favorite of the DW focused episodes. And 
what what a great start to the season with both of these back to back. I thought that this was a this was a really time well spent. Yeah, I totally agree. I love never never never. Um, it's it's got everything I look for in kind of those that top echelon of Arthur episodes in that it's uh, creative. Um, the moral is a nuanced moral that is kind of the kind that we can only really see a show of Arthur's caliber tell, where it's it's something that is kind of. On the intended audience's level, like it's a good lesson for a kid who'd be Arthur watching age, but it's it's a lesson that we're not seeing other kid shows communicate, especially not in a way that this is in that's this nuance. And it does all of that while being really funny the whole way through with, you know, yeah. from the puppet show to um, Arthur's mom and DW's imagination to I, I was really tickled by the Tibbles torturing her, her toys. Um, and then it comes all to a head with this really, really great ending that's both great in the kind of the drama and the actual just art and framing of it of DW like yelling up into the sky. It's very dramatic and big. And then we have this really tender moment where, you know, Arthur literally shakes down the Tibbles off screen um, and kind of triumphantly walks back with uh, her hand in hand and the toys um, and DW kind of coming learning her lesson at that climax I think it was just like a a really perfectly executed episode Um, and that's saying something given kind of how how, kind of out of the ordinary the subject matter that they were trying to convey was so yeah bravo I would say about this one Agreed. Great start to the season. I, if you listen to our uh, season eleven recap, uh, one of my complaints was that the season eleven didn't really start on the strongest note. This definitely did. So I'm really pumped for the next nine episodes of season twelve, and I hope that you are too. So we are back on the ECL schedule. We'll be covering episodes of Arthur once again, and it's good to be back. But over on the Patreon, we have some business to take care of. It was. It, I thought. I thought by now it would I would be past all that. I thought by now it would be dead and gone. But no, circumstances in our lives conspired against us. But so help me. Next week on the Patreon, and this is exclusive for uh, patrons, we're finally going to get to our ECL movie review of Monster Hunter. I rented it. It's in my YouTube cat. It's no, in my I, YouTube queue. Don't say a single thing about what you thought of it. You got to. No, 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 I, I, yeah. wa- I haven't watched it yet. Oh. You came. You came in the nick of time, and we're like, "Oh, sorry, I can't do this week." And I'm like, "Whoo!" Like my my finger was hovering over the play button, and then I just <laughs> recoiled, and I'm like, "Okay, another day, another day. I'm safe." It's almost but- worse that way, Will. It's like you're you're uh, marked for execution, and then it said, <laughs> "Oh, you were ready. You had accepted your fate, but now it's been your your punishment's been delayed another week." Yeah, I, I I can't wait to get this over with, but I, but at the same time, I'm I'm excited to talk about it, and that's what we'll be getting into next week on the Patreon, uh, uh, Patreon.com/slash Elwood City Limits, and then coming up on the next episode of ECL, we're gonna be talking about the episodes Room to Ride and the Frensky Family Fiasco. So one of the things in this episode that I was upset about: not enough Oliver. We need more Oliver. So if we stay in the Frensky family, maybe we can get more of that Oliver Frensky content that I've been waiting for for seasons, to be quite frank. So yeah, I'm excited. This is a new season of Arthur. It feels like a rejuvenation, and uh, it couldn't have come at a better time where I need something else to think about other than what's going on outside. So hopefully it comes at a good time for y'all as well. Thanks, everybody, for the emails, for the support, and thank you very much to our patrons who uh, keep us going. 
Uh, and yeah, we will see you next time, whether it's the Monster Hunter review ugh, or another episode of Arthur. Yay! Uh, I'm Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini, be there or be square or around. We'll see you next time. Uh, so oh, yeah. Sorry, just a second. Well, I'm gonna my cat's. I I gotta feed yeah, the cat. It's bugging yeah, me. I, I can I, probably I, hear it on camera. Yeah, just a second. <laughs> sure, sure. Oh, you come on. Yes, yes, yes. Why do you have so much food? What are you doing? What's wrong? You silly goose. You have so much food. Eat your, eat your green food. You have so much. The baby was squeaking at me, but she, uh, she's her bowls are both full. Just wants it. Just wants attention, I guess. Okay, I'm back. All right.